Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, good morning. Um, each Sunday in the next uh, few weeks, I'm going to do something a little bit special. Um, and so I'd like for those of you who are sixth grade and below, if you would come join me up here, and you guys can have a seat right here. So if you're sixth grade and under, all children, you guys can come on up and have a seat. I promise I won't bite. At least not today. Mondays I do, not Sundays. Hi, Joe and David. How are we doing? Oh, awesome. All right, guys, can you find a spot? Let's, let's make a... There's a spot. Rebecca, it's good to have you. Slide right up there. There you go. Perfect. Well, good morning. So let me start off by saying this. All right. You guys like surprises? No. Yes. No. Yes. yes. So good surprises you like. All right. So let me say this. Um, what if I promised you that I would give you a treat at the end of this? Would you guys like that? If I gave you a treat? Yes. yes. How about if that treat was I needed my office cleaned? Oh, yeah. It's already no. cleaned. Now, what if I told you that there's a really good treat, all right, but you couldn't eat it until your parents said that you could? Is that all right? Yeah. Now, do you guys trust me? You guys trust me, right? Do you think I have a treat for you? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You guys trust me, right? Or would you like to see some evidence first? Who would like to see some evidence? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. You guys are a hard crowd. So here is some evidence. So we have some Starbursts. Yeah, Starbursts. We have lots of chocolate. Reese's Pieces, my favorite. Kit Kats. M&M's, Skittles, Milky Way. How do you guys like that promise now, huh? Yeah, because you can see a little bit, like you can see it there. All right, we'll get to the end later, all right? But now we gotta talk about this. Over here is a wreath and some candles, all right? And so today is the first Sunday, it's called the first Sunday of Advent. And a long time ago, in the church, um, in churches, they began a tradition, all right, called Advent. And part of that tradition was to prepare and to look forward to the coming of who at Christmas? Jesus, right? The coming of Jesus. And so it was a time of remembering, of preparing. And so we want to do that each Sunday that for the next four weeks, all right, and then, so there's how many candles? Count with me. Okay, so we got four Sundays, and then on Christmas Eve, guess what candle we're going to light? The middle one, all right? So we'll talk about each candle and what it represents, all right, for each week. But this first week, all right, is going to what, is what we're going to call the prophet's candle, okay? And so who can tell me what a prophet is? When? 
Okay, somebody who believes in God, that's good. Who else? What's a prophet? Yes. Good, a person who does what God says for him to do. Brooklyn. Somebody who trusts in him, good. A prophet. Good, very good. Somebody who tells people what God wants them to. That's right. And so a prophet was really important in the Bible because the prophet would tell the people, especially the nation of Israel in in the Old Testament, tell the nation of Israel about what God wanted them to do, but also what was going to come. Can you guys think of any prophets in the Bible? Anybody that you think of by name? Think of any names of prophets? Go ahead. Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. Good. Yes. Elisha. Very good. Gwen. Micah. Very good. Good job. Anna. Anna. Anna was a prophet. (laughs) Who else? Anybody else? Yes. What about Moses? Was Moses a prophet? Yeah? God spoke to Moses and Moses Moses led? Yeah. Joseph, Joseph, good. Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet? Yes, Rebecca. Rebecca? The same? Good job. Rebecca and Rebecca? Nice, I like it. Well, Micah, who said Micah? Good job, Gwen. So Micah, he was writing down for Israel. And you know what Micah did? Micah wrote down something that was going to happen about Jesus. He was a prophet, and he told the nation of Israel, he said, listen, there is going to come a a king, and he is going to be born. What did you think he wrote? And Micah, Lila, he was going to be born on Christmas, okay. Where was he going to be born? And Bethlehem, that's right, Micah, in Micah 2.4, Micah records, do you know that he recorded it not 10 years before, not 20, not 100, not 500, but he recorded 700 years before Jesus was born, Micah wrote it down and said, there is going to be a king who is born in Bethlehem. Isn't that so cool? 700 years before it really happened. And so what's really cool when we think about this candle, this candle that we're going to light here represents hope. That what God says is going to happen. All right? And so just like the prophets told of God, of Jesus coming, that God was going to send his son, Jesus, that we have the hope that that's really going to happen. That Jesus is not only going to come because he came And what did Jesus do? He was born and lived a perfect life. And then what did Jesus do for us? Brooklyn. He saved our lives. And how did he save our lives? Gwen. By dying for our sins. That's right. He died on a cross. And did he stay hanging on the cross, Joe? He did? No. What happened? What did they do with Jesus' body? 
after he died on the cross? Well, they put him where? They put him in a tomb, right? And then after three days, what happened, Joe? Stage fright. David, what do you think? After Jesus was put in the tomb, what happened after three days? Anna, help him out. He rose again, right? All right, and so Jesus is right now where? Where is Jesus, Logan? In heaven, that's right. And one day, the Bible tells us that Jesus is gonna come back and he's gonna gather all those who are his children. All right, and so we have that hope. Just like you guys are hoping that at the end of our time, I'm gonna give you some candy, right? All right, we can have a hope all right, and that's a confident expectation. We can be confident, all right, because what God says is true. And so we're going to light this candle, and it represents hope, all right, and it's the prophet's candle, all right, and it represents, what does it represent? Hope, all right, and we can have that same hope that Jesus is going to come born as a baby, right, and even Micah the prophet said that he would be born where? And Bethlehem, okay. So just like the prophets said, all right, and Isaiah, somebody said Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah said, here's going to be a sign that a baby is going to be born of a virgin, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then Isaiah says also in chapter 9, verse 6, a child will be born, a son will be given to us. And then Isaiah says a little bit later, he even talks about how Jesus was going to suffer and die for us. Isn't that amazing that hundreds of years before it would happen, God promised and God keeps his word. And so we can have great, what? Hope, all right? Great. Will you guys pray with me? All right. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for the hope that you give us. And the hope that you give us is not something that we just hope it's going to happen or think that maybe it'll happen. Lord, when you tell us something that is true, something that is real in your word, it is going to happen. It's a matter of fact. And so thank you, Lord, that we can have confidence in expecting um, to see uh, you work in great ways. And we can have hope today. And even though it's hard to wait, and I'm sure it's hard for these young uh, boys and girls, to wait for Christmas. They're excited for it. Lord, we can wait patiently, uh, hoping uh, and placing our hope in Jesus that he will return and take us to heaven. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what do you guys think? Give us candy. So are you hoping for some candy? Yeah. So in that same way where we're going to, you're going to hope that I'm going to give you some, all right, we look to God and we say, God, you are my hope, okay, because we can always trust him. Can we always trust God? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to take this candy, all right, you guys stay right there, and then I'm going to start passing it out, out here. Is that okay? Is it okay if they get some candy out here? Yeah. Angela, you want some candy? No, God, God is, God is, Zach sees the one box that I didn't pick up. God is true to his word, all right? So 
How about the first row? You guys can make your way and grab a piece of candy. And then you guys can return to your seats. Don't eat it until you ask your mom and dad and they say yes. All right. Okay, second row, boys. All right, and then you guys can go, the third row. Thank you. Okay, you guys can return to your seats, and children are dismissed for Children's Church, so you guys can head to Children's Church. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis, very beginning of your Bible, Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 this morning. Good to be with you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope that, uh, hope you enjoyed your, your time. Hopefully you were able to slow down a little bit and to catch your breath. Um, if not... For those of you who cooked and cleaned and had to do all that, hopefully you can get some rest today. If you need a nap, just close your eyes, go to sleep, it's okay. It's not going to bother me at all. Um, I understand sometimes you need a break. So Today we start a series called The Light, and when I was thinking about The Light, it took me back um, to the very beginning. And here in the book of Genesis, we see um, that in the beginning, God created. And so I want us to start here as we think about light and as we think about darkness, right? There's two opposites. I, I, I thought about this when I, was, when I was a child, nobody had to teach me about darkness, right? You're, you, you know dark and I knew dark and I got scared of the dark because probably of all the scary things that could be in the dark, right? It wasn't necessarily the dark, but what, what was the dark hiding? And that's the great part about the light. It is the complete opposite of darkness, and it shows, it reveals, so that all things uh, can be seen. And we'll walk through that as we walk through the series in the next uh, four weeks. But I want to take us back to the beginning, because this is really cool, and, and, and when we see the light... Um, we see God, right? And, and I think it's something that I, I, I want us to be able to try to grasp, put our hands, uh, wrap our hands around. Um, so we dig in here to Genesis 1, and Moses writes this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And so we see, here's the earth, it was uh, without form and void, and darkness was hovering over the face of the deep. So what does that look like? I wasn't there. Moses records for us what this, this picture is that we can try to wrap our minds around. Is, is here in the beginning, 
there was nothing and then God spoke and God created. And so here's the earth. It was, it was without form. It was void. And it says, Moses says here, there's a darkness that is covering it. And so when you think of a darkness, there's, you, you, can't, you can't see it. There's nothing to see. It's, and we even see here, it's without form. The, the earth is without form and it's void. There, there's not the things that we know are coming. We know the rest of the story here. We know the rest of the, the days of creation. But pause for a second and just try to imagine as, as God is creating, here is the heavens and the earth that God has created and darkness is there. And the reason why I'm emphasizing this is because uh, of what is to come. It says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Um, It's amazing, again, when we think about who God is, that oftentimes we want concrete evidence um, to prove or to show us or to help build our confidence in who God is. As we read scripture, um, one of the things that continually stands out to me is that God is so much bigger than what I can, than what I can imagine. And oftentimes I try to bring God down on my level so that I can understand him. And, and we have to be careful of not doing that here. I'm not going to go deep into this creation, uh, the days of the week. There are some who, who, who wrestle with God creating light because then on day four, you have where God creates the sun and, and it rules the day. And then at night, the stars, the moon. Um, so what was this light here before the sun? Because the sun was day four and what was this light here? I don't have a good answer for that. I know there's a lot of different theories out there, um, and, and you can read up on those, but let me challenge you that to be careful not to try to put God in a box where you can figure that out. And that isn't to say that we shouldn't, we shouldn't try to work out how, how God works or who God is. I think sometimes it requires faith to trust God. Do you believe that? Uh, and so when we look at this, um, there are diff- again, there's a lot of different theories. There's about five different ones that are pertinent out there. Uh, one of them is, is it the Shekinah glory of God. God is light, and so is this God revealing himself during this time. Could be, probably not the wording here that, that when you look at it, could this be uh, another light that God created and put to give um, the earth light for a period of time before he created the sun and the moon and the stars. You can work out that. Here's the emphasis for today. The emphasis is this. In verse three, it says, and God said, let there be what? Light. If God says something, then it's true. 
And God says, let there be light, and there was light. In verse 4, God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And so God institutes what a day looks like. So in day one, he creates light, or, or he speaks and says, let there be light. There is light that, that, that now changes the void, the, the covering of the earth, and he separates, it says that God separates the light from the darkness. As we walk through um, the Bible, the light is used several times. And, and in using uh, this term, um, it's used for um, um, tangible light, like lamps, um, but it's also used for uh, a description of who God is as well. So light is used 277 times in the ESV. Um, there's 182 times in the Old Testament and 95 times in the New Testament. We see the first part of this word light used here in Genesis 1. Then we move on and we see this picture as God is working uh, amongst Israel and has chosen this nation and these people to follow him. And as they go out from, uh, from a people in Exodus 13, we see that God is leading them uh, a, a, a pillar uh, of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Here is the light that they need in order to see. And so here is, again, God the first time really in the word where God is illuminating and giving clarity, giving a, a, a description so that um, the people can actually move and follow him and see him as they move forward, as they walk with him and trust him. We see a few chapters later in, in Exodus uh, 25 where there is a temple. And this temple is where people, where the, the, the prophet, uh, where the priests are coming to meet with God. And in meeting with God, uh, God has in, in the tabernacle and then in the temple uh, a candle and candles. And that lamp is to be uh, illumined all the time. And so we see uh, the importance of, of light not only in the beginning of creation, but how God is dealing with his people in the very beginning, uh, even of, of the Bible. David says in 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine, 29, For you, my Lord, uh, O Lord, you, my God, are my lamp, and you lighten my darkness. He says this again in Psalm 18, verse 28, For you, are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. If you have your Bible, if you'd flip over now with me to the book of Psalms, this psalm won't be up there, but Psalm 27, verse 1. Psalm 27, verse And the psalm says, the Lord is my light. This is a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It almost is like when, when David is writing this, um, he's talking about light 
and salvation and fear, my stronghold. And so it's almost like David knows that here in this darkness, there is fear, there's an intrepidation, there's, there's a, 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 an overwhelming sense of, of something that, something just isn't all there. And yet David gives this picture and he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The one who can illuminate what I can't see, the one who can save me and bring to me exactly what I need. And the Lord is the stronghold of my life. And he says, why should I fear? Why should I be afraid? When we look at the light, um, we, we see from the very beginning, God illuminating, God revealing. And just as we walked through with the kids, the prophets of, of God speaking through these prophets to, to shape and to, to be able to, to communicate what was to come so that there was hope, so that there was a picture of you're not alone, you're not settled in darkness but let me, let me express to you, there's hope, and let me reveal to you a little glimpse of what is going to come. And so when we look at the light, we see that it allows us to have a confidence and to have a strength, not because we produce light, but because God produces the light. Uh, I have a little note here in my Bible in this Psalm, Psalm 27, to make it personal. And so I encourage you, maybe you need to, maybe you'd want to write a little note. It says, the Lord is Aaron's light and Aaron's salvation. Whom shall Aaron fear? The Lord is the stronghold of Aaron's life of whom shall Aaron be afraid? When, when you're walking through life in, in these next uh, several weeks as, as we prepare and look to Christmas, let me encourage you to know that from the very beginning of time that God created light and God saw that that light was good. And in that light, he, he began to allow uh, all of his creation that was going to come, that he was going to create, to be able to see and to be able to capture and take in all that he was going to have and to see part of his great glory. What's neat is when you uh, go to the other end of this book, uh, the Bible, we see that, that there is a mention, a talk about light, and that the new heavens and the new earth have no need of a sun, no need of a moon, because it's God who is illuminating and lighting up this new heaven and new earth. Only God could do that. When you think of your life and where you're at now, do you, do you have some dark spots? Have you forgotten that God... Uh, is there with you and, uh, and that he can give you the hope that you need. That just as David wrote in Psalm 27 that 
he was his light and his salvation, that God can be your light and your salvation. So that as you walk through each day, you don't need to be worried. You not, don't be overwhelmed or consumed with, with the daily chores or all that's going on or the struggles or the hardships. Life can be t- very hard. Life can be very difficult. Life can not make sense. But there is one who knows all and who can show you. And he may not reveal all of it, but he is light. He's the one who created light. And in him we can trust. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the opportunity um, to look into your word. And as we see from the very beginning, Lord, that you um, have created, you spoke, and there was light. Thank you, Lord, that we know, the reading of your word tells us that Jesus is the light, the light of the world. And he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Thank you, Lord, that we have the great privilege of not being stuck in darkness, not being like how the earth was when you first created it, without void and Lord, that, that we have the opportunity to see truth. That because of Jesus, we can live in the light. And so help us to do that. Help us to be consumed with you. In that, that your light may illumine our hearts and our minds so that we may better understand you and your word and so that we may live this life that we live on this earth not consumed as other people are consumed, but Lord, may we be consumed with knowing you, of following you, of trusting you. Thank you for giving us the light and that Jesus is the light of the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We're going to take a few minutes here, and let me encourage you, if you would, um, would you examine your heart where you're at? We have an opportunity now to participate in communion. And uh, I want to give you just a couple minutes and to sit and reflect and one of the things that I think we, uh, I know for me it's hard to do, and that is just to sit and, and to listen. And so I want to encourage you in the next minute to two minutes, and two minutes of silence is a long time. Um, don't, be, don't get distracted, but let me ask you, if you would, would you ask God to shed some light on your mind and your heart? And say, God, is there, is there part of my life, is there something in my life that is opposition, it's contrary, it's dark compared to your light? And in that, as God reveals himself, 
would you turn from that? Would you, would you repent? One of the traditions um, of Advent is this word penance. And, uh, and the Catholic Church uses this word penance quite a bit. We don't use the word penance um, because penance means that there is um, uh, an act that I need to do to self-inflict um, punishment for what I do. So I need to do something in order to make myself right. Well, the Bible tells me that Jesus took the full punishment of my sin upon himself. And for me to do penance means that what Jesus did wasn't sufficient enough. But I believe the Bible says that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is sufficient for all of my sins and your sins. Now, we may not be participating in penance, but we should participate in repentance. Repentance means that I see my sin, that God shows it to me, he brings it to light, I see it as it is, contrary to him, on opposition to him, and I, one, admit that I did that, Lord, I'm sorry that I spoke a harsh word. So I admit it, I confess that, and then I say, God, will you please forgive me, and will you please help me to speak words that bring life, not harshness and death. That's an example. So repentance means I acknowledge my sin, I confess it, and then I turn from it. Lord, help me to turn from that sin so that I don't continue to keep doing it. There are some who, in repentance, will live their life in such a way, and then they know, okay, well, I'll just do a little bit and try to make it right, and then I can go back and do whatever I want to do and live how I want to live. We live and we experience the grace of God. God's grace, his love. We sang the song that Andrew stopped and kind of paused and said, hey, take, take note, the, the love of God, look at what he's done for us. I will build my life upon his love. This morning I was reading in Romans chapter eight and reminded of what will ever separate us from God's love. There's nothing so no matter what you do or what you don't do, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And yet now we have an, an opportunity to stop and to reflect around communion and, and celebrating of eating the bread and drinking the cup, not because we're trying to get in right standing with God. Jesus has already declared us right. But when we stop and look at our lives, we need to reflect and say, God, would you show me my sins so that I can turn from it, so that I can repent, so that I can live in such a way that others may see that you are real, that others may see that you are truly God and that you love them because you love me. And so let me encourage you. Would you take just a few moments here and would you... Pray and ask God, Lord, would you show me my heart? And if there's sin, let me encourage you that you would turn from that. 
and you would do what you need to do to make that right with God. Jesus has paid the price. He calls us to acknowledge it, to confess it, to trust him that he takes away that punishment and the shame and the guilt, but we must bring it before him and then to turn from it. Take a few moments if you would. Lord, you have given us a wonderful privilege of gathering in this place to lift up our voices and to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus, that Jesus came to this earth, born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect and sinless life. Ultimately, going to the cross and dying on the cross, taking all of my sin, all of our sin, our shame, our guilt, our despair, all the consequences of our sin, taking the full wrath of God upon himself for us. Thank you for taking those eternal consequences away from us. And Lord, we acknowledge and know that there are still consequences here on earth for when we do sin. But thank you, Lord, that those are not eternal. Help us, Lord, to in this moment to appreciate more the great sacrifice that was given on our behalf. Help us to treasure the light that illuminates our heart so that we can see sin as what it is. Thank you for being able to celebrate as the body of Christ coming together, standing as one. Thank you for the joy that you give us because we stand declared righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of Jesus' blood that was poured out for us. 
Thank you for the wonderful privilege that we have to be able to participate now in eating of the bread and drinking of the juice so that we may remember. Just as we looked at Genesis and we were reminded that you created light, that you are the light. Lord, may we be reminded as we walk through this time, there is nothing more precious or more important than what Jesus did for us. We thank you.